those employees that are, are more stressed, we can reduce that stress level. Most because of my background being in credit management versus a, a financial retirement planner, um, is that a lot of my classes get into helping the, uh, an employee that has some issues going through those issues and uh, giving them the empowerment of like, oh, I'm not the only one I can I can get out of this situation that I'm in. Good morning, HR. I'm Mike Coffey, and this is the podcast where I talk to business leaders about bringing people together to create value for shareholders, customers, and the community. Please follow, rate, and review Good Morning HR wherever you get your podcast. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or at goodmorninghr.com. What a difference a year can make. In 2021 and much of 2022, coming off extended unemployment benefits and other COVID-related government programs, and participating in a tight labor market where warm bodies were often at a premium, many employees were unusually flush with cash, which doesn't mean they always managed to take care of it very well. But now, because of the expiration of those government programs and the inflation that they in large part caused, many employees find themselves struggling to make ends meet. And employees who are distracted with financial worries often can't help but bring those distractions to work, impacting their own performance and the organization. Joining me today to discuss personal financial management and ways employers can assist employees in improving their own financial wellness is Bill Langley. Bill is founder and principal of QAR Financial, a national consulting firm providing business turnaround support and employee financial wellness training to employers. Bill is a certified credit professional and accredited financial wellness educator. Welcome to Good Morning HR, Bill. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate having me today, and I also appreciate everything you do for the HR community. Well, we've been friends for easily, what, 20 years, probably. It, well, it seems like that, yes. Yeah, and so, uh, it, and, well, being a friend with me for five years seems like 20 to some people, but all the same, uh, I'm glad that we finally got you on the on the podcast, because I think this is a really important topic. What, let's just set our definition, when we're talking about employee financial wellness, what are we really talking about? Well, actually... And for employee financial wellness, it kind of the view of financial wellness, it depends on the audience and who you're asking it to. So by example, the employer employer's view of financial wellness is entirely different than what employees themselves feel what financial wellness should be in their uh, in their lives. So employers have a tendency to think financial wellness is an all encompassing uh, thing that they can uh, just plug in and uh, it, it means everything that's everything, all financial for employees. That's it. Like their comp and their benefits and the, the kind of stuff that the employer provides. Right. In other words, that's what they're, they're looking at the benefits, retirement planning. That's pretty much the focus of is, is retirement planning. Uh, many times when you, uh, when you're in a group, I have my own advisors that I'll, that I work with and, uh, They'll be talking to a group in the, in the room of about, let's say, 100 employees. And there's about uh, maybe 20 of those uh, employees actually have the resources today to invest into their future. And they're not living paycheck to paycheck. And so the, 
because they're financial planners or financial advisors. And by the way, I'm not a certified financial planner. I'm a credit guy by background. So the financial planners, they're looking at investments. That's how they make their money is it, is it through the investment process. Well, if they have an audience that doesn't have the money to invest, how much interest do you think they're going to have? Right. Not much. So I was going to go ahead and explain to you more about the, the financial wellness. There's actually terms to look at financial wellness. And what you've got to deal with is financial is kind of like when I said earlier, what is it that who's the audience that you're talking to? What do they perceive financial wellness to be? Financial wellness is kind of like a state of financial well-being. And everybody has their own terminologies. For instance, the, uh, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, they have, a, they have a certain state of what it is. They say it's a feeling of having financial security and financial freedom of choice. Uh, and, and that's in the present as well as considering what you're going to be looking at in the future. But then there's also financial wellness versus financial literacy. When you say when you look at that, financial literacy is not the same as financial wellness. The difference, the big difference in those two is that financial wellness being it's a state of being, you've got financial literacy is the knowledge and the training needed to manage your personal finances. There's a little difference in the two, how those those two uh, work, and that's investing as well as paying bills, those kind of things. And uh, but then you've got financial capability. And I like to focus on financial capability and uh, the financial cap capability refers to the only not only the knowledge and need to make sound financial decisions, but it's a combination of financial knowledge, skills and attitudes and the confidence to lead positive behavioral change. And I think the key word there is behavioral change. And uh, so if, if you've got the resources to invest for retirement, that's great. Maybe you've already got your behaviors in mind as far as investing for the future. But if you're dealing with day-to-day -day circumstances, you're looking at a whole different situation because you're adjusting to whatever the changes are that you have to, to deal with in life. So basically, when you get down to financial skills, that's a much different than financial capability. Financial capability is having the resources to do these things as well. And how do you go through learning to get those financial resources? How do you get the, the knowledge to, to deal with the, the fact that, okay, I can invest in the future, but I have to basically learn how to deal with money today before I can do that. I look at myself instead of a 401 plan provider, I see myself more as pre-K. <laughs> and uh, that when I say that, you're looking at the financial capability and why it's so important. It links to, uh, to better individual outcomes. And so it's not really about what somebody makes. It's more about what their priorities are, what the demands for their, 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 their whatever limited resources they have are, and the wisdom and experience and knowledge that they have and allocating those dollars is what really yeah. what the total the total financial wellness oh, those are all the yeah, factors that it, drive it's kind of that it, the, the big word here would be empowerment so oh, it's okay. empowering okay. individuals to make those choices so this this has got to tie into mental health too though right because if if you're on the wrong side of financial well-being 
that's got to be having an impact on on the stress in your life and and uh, just how how you're interacting with the rest of the world. Well, you mentioned it earlier. Uh, you go back to the the mental health part. Uh, when employees are financially stressed, it's hard for them to leave it at the door. Sure, they're going to bring it in with them, and so we're we're looking at situations where. Um, well, let's take, for instance, um, uh, there's a Morgan Stanley uh, study that just came out recently. Uh, talks about we, uh, it's a weakened company culture, stress that hacks away at the morale. I, I remember a, a boss one time told me that if the morals was bad as the morale, it'd be a fun place to work. <laughs> so you can imagine if you've got all these stressed employees, you know, then the other word that causes that situation in the office, it's, it's hard for them to, it's, it's, it's a kind of a burdens, the money matters are burdening the employees. And it poses a variety of issues for HR because it's trouble. You get, they have trouble retaining employees, um, because of their work or it's, it's a cost situation regarding workload and financial co uh, cost to deal with this issue. By examples, go back to productivity with HR. Uh, just recently, there's a decline in productivity. In a one year's time, there's some recent studies that they've sh shown this, that uh, that employees can spend 156 hours over a year's time dealing with their personal financial matters. When you equate that into how much time that really is, that's almost 20 days of dealing with their, that they're actually on the job dealing with personal financial matters. Yeah. And that's expensive to the employer. It's hard on the rest of the organization uh, and their peer group and everybody else. Right. Well, and think about it, those 20 days. That's, that's a month. That's, that's on a yeah. normal eight hour day. That's a month out of that one year that they've actually lost that employee to dealing with their own personal issues. So if I'm a, a people leader and I'm curious if, any of my employees are lacking in it financial well-being. What are some symptoms that may clue me into, hey, we may have a problem? Well, when you got the employees going to uh, borrow money from their 401 uh, plan. Okay, so dipping in their retirement. That's that's one thing when they're dipping into their sa their retirement savings and for a quick loan of some sort. Okay. Uh, there's a, a Morgan Stanley study just recently came out where um, uh, this Morgan Stanley said that employees that are financially stressed are t twice as likely to get, this is within the last year, are twice as likely to to get a payday uh, loan, payday advance. And in the state of Texas, for instance, that's at 400% interest. Yeah. Not many people know if you're, if you've never been touched by the system, you don't know what a payday loan company is. And, you know, that's uh, so those employees are taking that check and getting a two weeks advance on that check to pay personal bills. Usually it's a utility bill or something of that nature. It's not the big loan to finance a car, uh, although there are those those ones that do that as well. But the point is, is that they're doing it at 400% interest. And then they wind up getting into that vicious cycle. And it's almost like an addiction. And they can't get out of that cycle because they have to borrow to make they, have to they borrow pay more to pay the, pay the other one. Yeah, and I know many times where that's why the payday lenders are on each corner because those employees will actually go even though they're not supposed to have it legally, 
they're not supposed to have but one loan. What happens is they go to this one across the street and they get, say, $300 because that's how much they can get advanced to their check. And then they'll go right across to the other competitor and use that same check in order to get another 300 because they see they needed more than $300. Mm, oh, <laughs> then they wow. need 600 Then they all of a sudden, by the time they go through that cycle, they've already got like $1,000 against a $300 paycheck for that for that week. So they're dipping in their retirement. I guess we hear scuttlebutt or conversation that they're taking out those payday short-term loans. Um what are, what other things might turn on an employer onto the idea that we've got problems? Well, then you've got the uh, issues in the office where there's the stress creates that pressure where they're short tempered with other employees, other coworkers. Um, so it's not just that they've come to HR to to have to go through that cycle, but this is also in that stress builds up into the office, and then you've got the safety issues. Mm-hmm. There's so all these those conversations. Yeah, right. These other conversations we hear a lot about the safety in the office and somebody will quote going postal, those kind of terminology that you'll hear. The, a lot of that is through financial stress. And so when we're dealing with an employee relations issue, that's kind of the, some of the things we should be paying attention to, uh, you know, is, you know, what's causing this person's stress? Is this something, you know, we always want to know if it's something work related, but if it's something outside the office. Well, and still, the, but they know, brought it into the office. Right. Uh, if they've had divorces, uh, if they're going through a divorce. I mean, divorce is probably in uh, one of the top three. Uh, issues that, that cause delinquency. You, when I, in my old days, back in, in my previous life, I used to manage uh, collectors <laughs> and oh. uh, I was on the dark side. <laughs> and so most of our cases were people wasn't because of lack of money to pay. It was like because they refused to pay because the spouse is supposed to pay that bill. And I'm not going to pay it because they're supposed to pay it. I, all those things go on. But see, meanwhile, they're in the office dealing with that stuff. Right. So you've got a seat on like the 50 yard line though, as far as what's going on in people's, you know, in the, in, in, in the economy at the, you know, at the kitchen table level, what have you seen change over the last few years? How is, you know, pre COVID then COVID and now how have employees financial lives changed or what kind of, are, have the issues are the issues the same or are we seeing more of them or is it kind of consistent? Well, we've got the issues where right recently the new studies come out that there's um, Sherm has made their research uh, public where the, they've said that uh, financial health is on the down, downtrend. And uh, but at the same time, we've got Americans information is that the Americans are increasing. Their delinquency is rising. And this is after the, the, uh, the pandemic. So we had the pandemic. We were all like, all of a sudden, we didn't have anywhere to go to spend our money. So that's fine. Everybody was saving money. But as soon as we got out of the pandemic, the guards got down. Let's go buy. Let's go buy again. Let's go buy some more. Now they built up that debt again. So now it's it's even higher than it was before. Now, but you go back before the pandemic, back in 2014, there were some studies out with the same information that we're hearing today. So it's kind of like the trend I see is that before and after the pandemic, 
it's the same information, just the numbers have changed. Mm. And the numbers have gotten bigger in, in the case yeah. of after pandemic. And let's take a quick break. Good Morning HR is brought to you by Imperative, premium background checks with fast and friendly service. If you're an HRCI or SHRM certified professional, this episode of Good Morning HR has been pre-approved for one half hour of recertification credit. To obtain the recertification information, visit goodmorninghr.com and click on Research Credits. Then select episode 91 and enter the keyword money. That's M-O-N-E-Y. And if you're looking for even more recertification credit, check out the webinars page at imperativeinfo.com. I have 12 hours of recorded webinars, each approved for an hour of recertification credit by both HRCI and SHRM. Three are even approved for HRCI business credit and two qualify for ethics credit. You can access all of these webinars for free at imperativeinfo.com. And now back to my conversation with Bill Langley. So whenever this topic comes up in popular media, the the answer always seems to be that these greedy employers simply aren't paying their employees enough. And then the employers often seem to think that employees just need to manage their money better. Uh, what does your experience suggest leads to most of this employee financial stress? I mean, how do you know, why are they getting in these stressful situations? Is it, is it, is it, they're just not being paid fairly or, uh, or is it something on, you know, in how they're managing uh, their, their resources or both? Well, actually it's not the, the, the research has already told us that it's not because they want more money. You know, they just want it, the attention. The, there's information that shows that uh, employees, they, they agree that they, that their employers are, should be, have the responsibility and assure them they're physically, you know, physically safe at, in the job, emotionally and financially. Well, employee, we've already got research that says that's what employees want. But at the same, and employers, 84%, there's a Bank of America study that just came out recently that said 84% of employers said they, they get it. After the pandemic, we understand it. We get it. We, we need to give our employees uh, more financial wellness education. And, uh, but at the same time, the same survey showed that employees, half of the employees feel like their employer's efforts are not very, they don't rate them very high as far as they're really uh, the effort in, in giving them attention. So, and, and by that, attention, you mean like training, uh, right. education giving stuff? Them, you know, financial education, training, those kind of things. Basically, it's a plug and play. They think uh, it's, the, the employee's view is that, okay, the employers gave us name, name a big, a big company and that's the company and the employers like, here's your 800 number, go take care of your business. You know, don't mm-hmm. worry about us. And, uh, the employees, they want more than that. They want they, to do more than just watch a video or, or call a, a credit or call an 800 number and, and, yeah. you know, that type of thing. And so the employees, so, Everybody agrees that it needs to be uh, provided in the workplace. Both employees, both employer agree it, but the employees, less employees feel like they're really getting a, a really getting a good attention from the employer. They're getting a plug and play approach and, and they want more. They want more proactivity from the employer in dealing with that. 
What does that look like then? Because it sure is icky. I mean, we don't, you know, if I see I've got an employee who's having financial challenges of some sort, and maybe it's even impacting their their performance or their behavior at work, things like that. I think a lot of, especially, you know, the frontline managers just feel, you know, they get liver quiver about asking, you know, or referring an employee to a resource or, or having that conversation about somebody's personal, you know, their kitchen table economics about what's going on at their household. Um, so how does a, you know, what does an employee want and what should a, you know, what kind of circumstances should an, at what point should an employer, I guess, interject themselves in to, uh, to try and help? Well, you, you get that age old story that happens with employers say, well, we provide them all this, but then they don't act, they don't follow through with it. Sure. You know, that happens on almost several programs in the benefits area where uh, we provide them this benefit, but then here a year later, nobody asked for it. So what's the deal? Well, you go back to, on the, especially on the personal financial issues, most employees, the peer pressure thing, most employees, they don't want everybody to know about their personal life. So the last thing I want to do is go ask HR. I want to have information about this. And one of my interesting stories I tell uh, a lot of HR people is they'll say, okay, we want you to come in and do a lunch and learn for us. And we want you to do about budgeting. And I'm like, uh, you really don't want me to talk about budgeting. And you don't want to put a sign on the door, on the door that says, Bill's going to talk about debt management today. Nobody's going to come to that. Because they don't want to see that. They don't want their peers to see them walking into that meeting. Right. Everybody wants to be able to talk about how they've got their life in, in order. Uh, I've got plenty of money to invest. I've got uh, everything in savings. I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I'm good to go. But in truth, what happens is we'll, we'll actually have a class and it says how to, how to maximize your credit score. Mm. Isn't that much better? Doesn't that sell a lot better than the other one? Well, all of a sudden, we'll have 50, 100 employees come to that meeting. And then what will happen is that when it gets to the Q&A, we get into debt management. Mm. Gotcha. We have a lot more employees asking questions because everybody's got a story to share. And it's like, well, and, and if they don't want to expose it themselves, usually they're good to go because they're going to sh share this with their children. Right. Yeah. That oh, okay, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. But my, my, my brother-in-law's got a problem. I'm going to tell. Right. I'm going to ask a question for him. Yeah. You got those situations that go on, but it is true. My brother-in-law cool. does have a problem. He, he's <laughs> married to my sister, but <laughs> beyond that. But but my best my best education classes that I have, or when I've got HR people that are have been what I consider impacted. I mean, we're all human. Uh, HR right. is their employees as well, and I've had a lot of HR and. Uh, employees or HR people that are said, well, I don't want them to come to me because, you know, I've got enough of my own problems and who am I to tell them anything about right. this? So the employees like that are anonymity. And, and so it's like, give me the resources and I'll take care of it. But at the same time, they want a little bit more the employer needs to get into the more we're doing this for you type of situation. Uh, one of the programs that we that I, we work, I collaborate with uh, nonprofit organizations in the, in the area, in particular United Way of Dallas is one, and we actually have a, a benefits program for that we collaborate with uh, a lot of 
uh, somebody on the West Coast, a, a large company that actually are executives from the TurboTax uh, group, and uh, they provide employee loans. And this is by way of United Way, mind you. So you kind of go back to the employer saying, well, we don't want to, this is too costly. This financial well, uh, wellness program is too costly. Well, we can provide it to them for free. There's no cost because you're working with nonprofits. Not only that, but they can take that because of the outreach part of it, because 20 percent of the workforce is generally underserved with the employers. These are employees that have uh, making over one hundred thousand dollars. But, you know, it's kind of like what you have in your pocket versus not what you make. Right. And so there's people that are make thirty thousand dollars and they're they're good to go with even their retirement plan. But there's people that make one hundred thousand know, dollars a year and they have less money to to spend because they've got all these other issues in life. And so it's it's a matter of working with all of those. And when I say underserved employees, it could be any of the gambit of the, of, of those employees of, in the workforce. It could be the ones that make 100000 It could be the hourly wage workers. So their income isn't really a predictor. It's just whatever their circumstances they find themselves in. Exactly. And, and how prepared they are to address whatever the issues are. Right. I have a, a story that I that I referred is I did an outreach program for a nonprofit organization a while back. And in during that uh, class, I had an employee walk in. I say an employee. This is a homeless shelter that I'm working with, mind you. Oh, wow. And one of the the um, the clients, so to speak, or the students in the class came in full uniform from their. It was a major employer and they had the full uniform on. The man's homeless, but he came in to take, you know, to, to take advantage of the class. And I asked him later about this. He had four kids and a wife, but they were the whole family was homeless in the shelter because he also had these other debt obligations. And he put a priority on the family and he couldn't afford his home. But what the interesting thing here is that he's full time employed, been with the company over 10 years has vacation wow. time, but he's homeless. And the perception there is like, you know, your employees might be homeless. Now, that's not to say that they all are. That's not the point. But the point is, is that my question to him is that can't you get this, what I'm doing for you? Can't you get it through your employer? And I happen to know for a fact that an employer does offer those services, but this employee did not, did not know to go where to go to get those services. And it all, it's in like almost all benefits, it's the only way an employee is going to know is if the employer is doing good education as to what the benefits are and how to access them. So, I mean, your training is, it sounds like definitely one of the things that employers can do. And you mentioned emergency loans uh, that are, are these employer backed loans or how does that work? They're a program, the loans that we, we work with, they're, they can let borrow up to $2,000. But the, what it is, is that they can, it's a way of giving them the money they need today without mm -hmm. having and keep them from going to that payday lender, give them 12 months to pay it off. It's through a benefits program with their employer. So it's a payroll deduction program. Mm -hmm. And they're paying instead of 400% interest, they might be paying 19% interest. <laughs> okay. But that 19% is not going to the employer. It's still going to some sort of 
lending institution. That's just in the cost of managing the, the, the loan. And that's about it. So, but at the same time, they're going to get the financial education to make sure they don't get in this situation again. They're not going to get that with a payday lender. Right. The payday lender is going to figure out a way to keep them coming back. Yeah, it's in their interest not to have them be educated. So, you know, you don't have very many resources, and this is like no cost of the – it's free. It's just a referral of that, okay, we have a payroll deduction program. If you need this, that's fine. You think about it, going back to borrowing money from uh, their 401 plan. Well, to get that 401, you got to prove the hardship situation. To prove the hardship, you got to go fill out the paperwork. you got to go through HR. <laughs> Right. To, to do that. That means you have to now let the world know that I have this personal issue and employees are reluctant to do that. Right. And so this is an avenue that helps those employees do the things. It's a social mission for those employees. And it's, a lot of employers can take this and turn it into their uh, corporate social responsibility program. Mm-hmm. So it's a win-win for everybody. Well, and yeah, the uh, even at, I'm, I'm sure these loans have a higher default rate, which is probably one of the reasons that they're at 90%. Really. No, really, they don't. No. Okay. Because if they're good performers and they, they, they stick it out. Well, they've been with the company and they're, they're, they, they get qualified with no, they can have bad credit. It doesn't really matter. They can, and they can have good credit and fine. They, and they, this is all across the country. So they, they can, there's, there's major companies that are, that have hundreds of thousands of employees that are on this type of program. And uh, so that we just work it through the nonprofit organizations. And again, when I say it's a win-win, it's, it's the employers reaching out to the community, the employers, you know, there's a lot of bragging rights for an employer to do these type of programs. Just put it that way. So one, one trend that I've seen, especially over the last several years, it's, you know, really technology enabled, I guess, but, is the concept of same day pay uh, where, you know, I work eight hours and boom, that, you know, I clock out and I get a direct deposit that's available the next morning of my pay from the previous day. That, you know, definitely an employee who's really looking for that is definitely living probably paycheck to paycheck. Uh, What are your opinions about those kind of programs? Do you think those generally help employees or, or, you know, or, or they just are, and then and an employee's financial situation is not going to be improved until they get, you know, training and 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 get a grasp on their 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 own finances. It is a trend uh, into doing that, but it then it technically speaking, it's still a loan mm-hmm. because they're advancing money against the pay, and so it, it's still it's still a loan uh, unless. If the program, it's a great program as long as it comes with education to go with it. There's a lot of program uh, providers out there doing that, but they don't provide the education to go with it, an education component uh, for that employee to kind of teach them to manage the, the to get into a budget process, those kind of things. Yes, the, but they, they are good. Uh, with technology the way it is to do that sort of thing, but to do it without the education uh, component, it, it's it's you're not doing it. You're not solving anybody's problem. You're just making the, the issue worse with the employer because they're going to rely on the fact that I can the instant gratification. I get it today. Right. So we we talked about education a lot, but what are the pillars of 
of that financial education? What are the key uh, components if, if if an employer wants to evaluate a, a training program or you know an education program for personal wellness, uh, financial wellness? What 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 are those you know what ought to be the you know the chapters or the you know or the you know the key points that a good training program is going to cover? Well, a good tra- a good training program is obviously to get uh, is to get a champion within the the organization. Oh, sure. That's yeah. going to make it a successful program. A champion program. I mean, when I do programs, and I, I said earlier about the the HR folks that have been sort of touched by the system, and they've been there before, and they've come out of those situations. They've got family man. Uh, individual family members that have gone through these situations and they've come through it. They've actually seen it first time. Those are the ones that are baking cookies to get the employees into the, into the, the training programs that we do. And if they haven't done those, uh, if they haven't been what I call touched by the system, they're not going to be as, as um, it's just another yeah, they're not going to be as sympathetic or engaged with. with no, with they're going to be. Right. Those are the those are the HR folks that I the the coordinator I see in the back of the room with their telephone and in their hand, and it's just one of the five classes that was uh, yeah. that was on the schedule for me to do, and it's just another one. Tomorrow will be yoga, so that's fine. So uh, the, that's the difference on those programs. But a lot of my programs that I get are actually through the EAP programs. So it's attached to an EAP. Right. It's usually it's through their health care provider, um, things like Cigna and Humana Health. Uh, those uh, if they've got a program through them, they've got the VAP components. I actually wanted to get a lot of my referrals through that route, not directly to me. So when you're doing a, a, a training program, uh, what all's involved? What what are the topics? What are the key topics? You mentioned budgeting. What else does a, a good training program cover? Now, you're talking about a training for, program for the employee, yes, right? Yes, okay. yes, So we're, we're going to be talking about budgeting. We're talking about credit management. Uh, definitely always going to have credit management. Uh, when I say credit management, I'm talking about how to improve your credit scores, how to okay. maximize your scores, how to make sure that, the, uh, that they're clean, that you don't have these. Um, the, I, I have a whole class just on protecting your, your credit and we things found, like late pays and 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 things well, like that, or how things get on those credit reports more right. than once, and then uh-huh. all of a sudden the scores lower than it should be. Uh, uh-huh. How a student loan could be on their program? They might have one student loan, but they look at their credit report and find out they've got three hits on their regarding sure. student loans because they were sold. The paper was sold over and over and over again. And then somebody in an office somewhere didn't do all the cleanup. And then all of a sudden it shows that they have a $3,000 or $10,000 debt three or four times. And their credit's been pretty good. They've been able to get a loan for the cars. They didn't realize that they're paying more interest rate because their credit score was lower. And then they all of a sudden they learn, wait a minute, I could have fixed that, what, 10 years ago or five years ago or three years that, you know, they are so surprised when they figure that they, they just overlook those things because they don't bother. So we help a lot re- regarding those credit scores. You can relate to that regarding oh, yeah. credit yeah, scores. Yeah, we, we see credit reports uh, all the time, and we see errors in credit reports, garbage in, garbage out. And uh, and so I talk to my number, my fair number of consumers over a year who, you know, who will call me and say this isn't right, and I'll walk them through the process of getting it, you know, disputing it back to the credit bureau and 
are disputing it to us and we'll pass it on to the credit bureau or whatever, you know, however they want to handle it. So well, a lot of employees have great credit scores and they don't realize they could have even been better. Been better but yeah. those are the ones, the ones with the highest credit scores are the ones that never, they're the ones that are the most victims for uh, identity theft. Mm. Oh, and the well, reason sure. being because they haven't checked their reports or anything to see that there's this new activity on there because they haven't had a need to because they always, you know, they always get the loan they need or whatever the funds they need to do it. Okay. So credit, you know, protecting your credit and, and your credit score and budgeting, any other any other key areas that you cover in, in training? Well, identity theft is, is another oh, okay. program I work with, and that goes to what's out there now. Um from an uh, from an HR perspective, we kind of focus a lot on that safety from the employer's perspective. To uh, yeah, going back to a word I said earlier, empowerment, giving those employees a feeling of em empowerment, regardless of whether they're how stressed they may be. Uh, finding out which ones there are uh, stressed is, uh, and usually we can figure out who those are pretty easily by the attendance in the classes and who talks the most that type of thing. But uh, by realizing those employees that are, are more stressed, we can reduce that stress level. Most because of my background being in credit management versus a, a financial retirement planner, um, is that a lot of my classes get into helping the, uh, an employee that has some issues, going through those issues and uh, giving them the empowerment of like, oh, I'm not the only one. I can I can get out of this situation that I'm in uh, and it's going to take time. And so, and basically get feeling so they feel like they're, that they can, there's some light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. Right. Well, that is all the time we have. I, I sure appreciate you joining me today, Bill. Thank you. Appreciate it too. And thank you for listening. You can comment on this episode or search our previous episodes at goodmorninghr.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. And don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Rob Upchurch is our technical producer, and you can reach him at robmakespods.com. And thank you to Imperatives Marketing Coordinator, Marianne Hernandez, who keeps the trains running on time. And I'm Mike Coffey. As always, don't hesitate to reach out if I can be of service to you personally or professionally. I'll see you next week. And until then, be well, do good, and keep your chin up.